What's up, Bills Mafia? This is Gregory Russo, defensive end for the Buffalo Bills, and you are listening to The Lockdown of Jake Jordan. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the coolest place in Bills Mafia outside of Western New York. I am your host, Jake. This is The Lowdown. And usually, I'm rocking this show by myself. I had Brother Bill on one time, and then I usually have my family on. But I decided to bring on a special person. We've been doing a lot of stuff together recently when it comes to Built in Buffalo. So I don't think I need to introduce this man any further. He is the Emperor of Edits. The maestro of mixes. He is one of Built in Buffalo's social media gurus. He is the Iron Man to my Captain America and my future co host to the Maximum Marvel Pod. He is Justice General. Justice, how are you doing, my man? Bro, that was easily, like, by far the best intro I've ever had in my life. So I appreciate Bro, that. I, I'm excited to be I'm, here. Every single time I'm on a show with you now, I'm just going to come up with a whole list. I'm going to call you something different. <laughs> that was dope. That was dope. I'm going to do that every single time. But, dude, we got we got so much to talk about. I've been on your pod. We've been on shows and everything. It's But now you're on my pod, and we've been saying it for probably a couple of weeks now, doing things mm-hmm. that we were going to talk about. Conspiracy theories. And that is going to happen in the show. I have a conspiracy theory, which really isn't a con- It's just kind of my theory on why something's happened. I'm sure you have a conspiracy theory. And then we have a list of things to talk about when it comes to things happening with the Buffalo Bills, especially this week. So to be completely honest with you, we got to start off with the big thing. Brandon Bean drops that, hey, there's a deadline for this Josh Allen contract. And this has been a big thing throughout the whole offseason. You know, we've been strapped for content. So, you know, you put out about like two or three podcasts with the topic being, what do you think about Josh Allen's contract? Should he get it now? Would you rather have it in the future? Why is the reason for that justice? I'm going to ask you that question right now, my guy. When it comes to Josh Allen's contract, do you think it's better we do it now or wait? Or just what's your opinion on that? Um, well, everybody knows I'm a huge Josh fan, uh, supporter and defender. And I think my, my answer might surprise a couple people, but I think we should wait. I really do. Um, I, I, I am very aware of the progression he's made, uh, you know, exponentially. I'm aware of the strides and the progress he's taken. Um, but you know, we're, we're, we're talking about paying him, you know, 400, 500 million dollars. Like that's just kind of a big deal you know uh ryan fitzpatrick has burned us before we all loved ryan and got his money and was garbage i'm not saying that'd be josh by any stretch of the imagination but uh i I, you know what let's say that this offseason we could get josh for 450 million uh maybe 10 years or something like that right i would rather pay him 520 million next offseason if he could do it again like you know I'd, i'd rather him just outright flat out you know, no discussion and earn the the money he deserves, which I mean, I I think he already has to a degree, but if you can come out and do what you did last year again and show us that this is going to be consistent going forward, break the bank. I don't even care. Bring back the bank spring truck. Dude, 100%. I have brought that up on so many. See, I wish I could sit here and be like, no, dude, you're a hundred percent wrong. Here's my viewpoint on that, but I can't, I've said it on so many podcasts where I'm like, look, if you, I understand, I'm like 51, 49% when it comes to this, right? I'm like 49% like, hey, if you give Josh Allen the contract now, I'm not going to be mad. I understand the rationale why you would give Josh mm-hmm. Allen the, the contract now. But if you wait, I also understand, like, of course, we've got penny pitcher, pinchers and Bill's Mafia that are like, hey, you know, that's a couple million extra dollars that we could be saving on the cap every year. And I get that. But... When it comes to these situations where this guy is going to be your franchise for a long time, you hope. I think the big thing is we've seen the jumps he's made, and we we know the kind of player that Josh Allen is, but and we don't think he's going to take a step back. We don't think he's going to get careless and regress. But if for some reason that were to happen, you have to like that's my pessimistic mind sitting here saying, 
if something bad were to happen and he was not the player he was last year or he took a step back, he gets figured out, you know, you don't want to get Goff or Winston. Yes, there is, you know, different factors that go into those two quarterbacks getting the conversation, uh, their contracts. But when it comes to Josh Allen, I personally, and I think a lot of people, when it comes to making an investment like that, you would like to see that your return on that is going to be greater and worth the contract you're getting. And so when I see Josh Allen, I don't think that he's going to take a step back. I think a lot of people think that he's going to take a step forward, which would be crazy after the step we already saw forward. But if by some chance there, I would rather see one more year of production. If that means paying my man a little bit extra money, then I think it's completely worth it. But, and I I've heard too, that Josh is willing to structure the deal so that it's team friendly too, so they can keep the team together for a a while so you know there's a lot of stuff that plays into that man but just when when it comes to that and obviously we seem to be on the same page here when it comes to we'd like to just like if it means paying the man a little bit more because we get what's proven in a second year he does the same exact thing then you know i'm i'm 100 percent down for it yeah absolutely me too um two points that i just wanted to make real quick uh that would be beneficial for us waiting actually is first of all josh grew up with money you know relative to like the mm. average person in the country you know his yeah. family owned a restaurant they donated you know land to the school where josh went um you know so i mean you know i'm not saying they were like super rich but you know he comes from somewhat money right so they I were well think- off Right, exactly. So I don't think he's like, oh, I need to change my family and this type of money, that type of thing. I don't think that's the situation for Josh. So I don't think money is absolutely pertinent to him. And and we see his character. He doesn't even seem like money's that big of a deal. Um, but and then the other point I wanted to make was look at the the, the coaching staff uh constructed and in the developmental process that this this team, excuse me, is able to provide uh to their players. Uh, you know, when you look at our roster, there, there might be five or six good players on both sides of the ball that are like, no, these guys can't go anywhere. We need these guys. And outside of those six, everybody else is kind of you know, spendable. Like, I don't I don't mean to say, like, you know, we don't want them on the team. I'm just mean to say that, like, we could bring in somebody else who could probably do your job. You know what I mean? Hey. And, and still help us compete for a championship. Uh, so I don't think, you know, paying Josh that absorbing an amount of money if he earns it a second time uh is is that far-fetched uh um so i'm super excited to see what ends up happening uh with <laughs> i really don't know i should keep going <laughs> i have no idea what happened there yeah i was going, like man. should i keep going or what <laughs> um but uh, yeah, so so basically that's that's just uh you know he he does he does he comes from money so I don't think money's that big of a deal to him and also uh, our roster is you know our 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 roster is very well developed and it has like a ton of depth I don't think that besides maybe Diggs Josh Trey White Jermaine Edmonds Matt Milano Ed Oliver Deion Dawkins you know so maybe seven people. I don't think anybody else is like untouchable. Mm. Uh, the big thing with the Josh Allen contract, right? And you're saying that money's not a big thing to Josh. I 100%. I think just when it comes to, as soon as I heard that Josh Allen said, hey, I'll, I'll structure the deal. Like a lot of people took that as team a team-friendly deal. He'd take a pay cut. And a big thing is, uh, a player that Josh Allen grew up and idolized was apparently Tom Brady. We know this. We've heard about oh, it. That's true. And if you see that Josh Allen sees what Tom Brady did and the success he was able to have over a long time was Tom Brady took some ridiculous deals. Now, I'm not saying Josh is going to take a ridiculous deal. My dude needs to get all the money in the world. What I'm saying is Josh understands the importance of making sure your team is financially able to keep a team around you. There's plenty of 
scenarios and you know situations that have happened in the past with other teams where when these teams break the bank for a quarterback they're then cap strapped and the teams that they had around them slowly dwindled as people left because they could not afford to pay them like other teams could so i think that a big part of this contract negotiations with uh the buffalo bills which it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's just when, because we know the deal's coming. Uh, the big thing is there's a deadline. That's what the uh, the original thing that I brought up, there is a deadline. And I don't think that that needs to be construed as, oh, if it doesn't get done then, oh boy, it's the end of the world. I think it's just if the deadline comes and passes, the deal's going to happen. And whether or not Josh, I don't think Josh is going to financially bankrupt the team either just because of being he he's able to see he's one of those guys like we said his demeanor he knows that you know this is a business and if he wants to be successful in it he of course he needs to get as much money as he can but maybe he's not one of those guys who needs to get every single cent that he needs to get yeah absolutely so um, yeah yeah oh no i'm sorry go ahead no it's fine i was just i was just waiting for you to like hit me back with it but maybe maybe there's a little <laughs> bit of a delay yeah there is a, a little bit of a delay i, I was just going to piggyback off of exactly what you said mm-hmm. um you know that josh seems like you know he i don't even want to say seem like because at this point it's kind of not even like a debate anymore like he's the ultimate leader like we see videos of this guy running up to every single receiver on the field and having their own little personal handshake with them like he, he, he loves his teammates. His teammates love him. And, like, I was watching that documentary one um, the other night. I was up early in the morning, and so I was like, why not? Uh, and, like, his elementary school, middle school coaches is, is telling, like, the you know, the, the film crew, oh, like, you know, I knew he was going to be a quarterback because, uh, you know, his teammates didn't want to let him down, and they, they always looked to him, and they didn't want to disappoint him. And it's like, wow, mm-hmm. like, from elementary school, like, that's the type of yeah, guy right. getting – and we hear the exact same thing in the NFL. So I think Josh will be fine. I'm And and I love it. And other guys that I think are going to be fine on this roster apparently are our defensive end room. My Lord. Mario Addison comes out in his press conference, talks about things which Mario Addison, I, I don't know. Did you, did you listen to the whole press conference, Justice, or I, did you just hear I the did. clip? Okay, so I – Yeah, so I listened to the whole press conference. Mario Addison really, you know, kind of had like a deep dive. He, my man, knows his role on this team, like, and he he pretty much went in and said that mentally he wasn't here last year and stuff like that because his baby brother died, and that was, you know, that's kind of something that weighs on your mental. And even though you kind of think you can get over it just by going into football, you might have been ready for football, but just mentally, my man said that he wasn't here and you know that's something that you can understand with any of that but when he got into they started asking him about the young guys because he knows his role is to be here do his job and help coach up these young guys that they got man some of the things that he said about our defensive ends like he said watch out for aj like you saw what aj did towards the end of the year last year watch out for aj just we'll we'll break it down by each one just like when you hear what he says about the defensive end room and Carlos Basham uh, or Carlos Basham and Greg Rousseau, Greg Rousseau being able to use his length. And when he punches a guy like, you know, like, damn, this guy, that guy's long. He's able to use that to get around people. Just saying that these guys seem to be further along than we think. Like when it comes to these DM rooms, even these veteran guys saying like, Hey, you know, watch out for these guys. How's that make you feel, man? Because that's something that Usually you don't hear you're like, yeah, the rookie guys, you know, they're doing so so, but like these guys are like, hey, you know, watch out for these guys. And Mario Addison made a joke too. He's like, Hey, I'm glad when I saw them draft these two guys, man, I was happy because I don't want to be playing all the snaps. Yeah. I don't want to be playing all the snaps. Um, i it, it just it makes you believe that much more in Brandon Bean. You know what I mean? It uh hmm. it's it's hard not to have confidence in him because it seems like he doesn't really make very bad decisions. Um and so when you take into consideration, I've said this a million times, but the two weakest parts of our team last year was pretty ironically the offensive and defensive line, because typically if you don't win in the trenches, you don't win the game at all. But because we have a generational mm-hmm. talent at the quarterback position, we have a damn good secondary, we have, you know, a rising tandem at the linebacker position. Uh, the defensive line was the weak spot, but everybody else was kind of like, 
cool. Um, and the offensive line was eh, but the offensive weapons were top notch. Uh, or at least Josh's ability made them top notch. Uh, it was a little of both, right? Um, so when I see, and I, I call this, I said this like after the draft, you know, the draft happened and I was pissed, obviously, but, uh, you know, it took me a day or two to, to marinate on it. And I think like, okay, I, I see, you know, what Brandon Bean's plan was, uh, you know, you, the two weakest positions on the field is your line on both sides. That's, you never want that to happen. So, where you do you go out and you bolster it on both sides of the ball. So when I hear that Boogie Basham is doing great, Greg Rousseau is doing great, F.A. Obata is doing great, when I hear that, you know, Mario Addison is ready to come back into the camp and, and get started, Ed Oliver is expecting – we're expecting huge things from him. Star Latulale is coming back. He's going to take over the one – like, I, I'm I'm hearing great things, and and I'm thinking, all right, aside from maybe Obata, Latulale, and maybe Hughes, the rest of these guys are our future. So if they can come in and be productive right now, uh, the sky's the limit for the future. Like, you know, in three to five years, who's to say that this won't be the best defensive line in the league? And people, you know, who were laughing at us for taking back-to-back defensive ends are like, oh, okay, these are the two best defensive ends in the league now, right? Or at least they, they, they uh, complement each other to a degree where they can both be dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the best-case scenario to me. Dude, I when I think about our pass rush last year, it was almost non-existent, and that was a problem that we could see. Obviously, towards the end of the year, they started getting better, but it wasn't to what the standard of the Buffalo Bills has been for a while, especially when it comes to a Sean McDermott team. It's usually pass rush over the secondary, but our secondary is really good, and our pass rush was lacking. So if we could just get a few guys, and I think it's – also, quite ironic, we were in the same, I believe we were in that day one draft uh, stream on Built in Buffalo when we took Greg Rousseau. I could see audibly just everybody was like, just, I mean, nobody, nobody's watching this, but if you could see our face, we were all like, what the hell? Like, Greg Rousseau. <laughs> the air like, out of the room for sure. Dude, we, we thought we were getting uh, JOK. Like, we thought yeah. Cormo was about to be on the, and then. The pick comes in, and then A. Rich is like, "Okay, okay," like, but everybody else is like, "Bro, <laughs> like that that pick." But we spent like we spent our first what was it? Our four picks. It was back to back, and then we did back to back offensive tackles. So those are two positions in the NFL too. We want them to develop so that we don't have to go pay somebody in the future too, man. Like those exactly. positions are expensive as hell in the future. So when I hear a guy like Mario Addison say, hey, these guys are coming along, I'm just like, oh, thank God. That's a little bit longer that we don't have to pay a damn pass rusher to have to come in here because the guys we draft can't get it done. And just just hearing about it, like these guys, I want them because the one thing that I think we were missing last year and everybody knew it was a consistent pass rush so that we were going to be able to tell if we had a better pass rush i don't think we lose in that afc championship game i think i mean just look at what tampa did to patrick mahomes i think the one thing that we need and the coaching staff knows it brandon bean knows it because the coaching i mean you got to be blind to not see what was wrong with the team right so if we can get the pass rush right this year, I could see this team being absolutely, especially things we're hearing out of camp that the offense is already looking in midseason form, like jo- like Josh Allen looking great. Receivers that we didn't even think were going to step up, and we'll we'll talk about that when we get to Dan Fage's tweet later. But just things that are going on in camp just make you really really excited to see this team. When you think about it. If these guys, if Mario Addison, obviously Mario Addison could be talking these guys up because you're not going to be like, hey, these guys actually stink. But, uh, like, what do you think, like, putting all these pieces together, do you think if these guys have any meaningful contribution that this pass rush is going to be able to put us finally over the top that we need to? Well, I don't think it behooves Mario Addison in any way to talk up his competition because if you ask me, Mario Addison, it might be the odd man out in terms of a roster spot. Uh, hearing that 
about his brother kind of does make me, you know, a little more understanding to his situation. Uh, I didn't know that. Um, so I definitely can only imagine, uh, you know, a toll that takes on just a human being, period, let alone, mm-hmm. like, you know, football player or not. Um, so, you know, it does make me feel a little differently uh, about the situation now. Uh, so I'm going to have to probably go back into the lab and reevaluate a little bit. Um mm-hmm. So if he can come on and if he, you know, he's got his mind in the right spot, because I was super excited when we got Mario Addison. Um, but 2019, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was already throwing around the term Super Mario Addison. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah, ready for my exactly. man to go off. Right. Take that uh, when when uh, Mario Williams got a sack and they played the Super Mario uh, mm-hmm. little theme. Give it to Mario Addison. But yeah, um, I, 2019, I feel like, if we have a superstar quarterback, we win a Super Bowl. Our defense was like that. Like, our defense was like Real. that, right? Uh, 2020, we had a superstar quarterback. Offense was off the chain. Uh, and then our defense kind of just was just terrible at that at one point. Um, the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, they were really bad. Uh, they became decent, and then they became elite eventually. Uh, and then they ended the season on a very low point uh, with the Chiefs. However, to your point, if we have a dominant pass rush, we already talked about how we have a, a tremendous uh, secondary. Um, so if you have a dominant pass rush, the only reason, in my opinion, that we don't create too many turnovers is because we don't have anybody affecting the quarterback. You don't have anybody back there hitting his arm, getting in his uh, vision and the passing lanes and uh, making them make you know bad decisions. We don't have any of that. Like guys stand back there comfortably. And if they – make a bad decision it's just because they typically you know got fooled by our secondary or mm-hmm. something like that it has nothing really to do with uh any pressure typically maybe unless it's from jerry hughes uh but outside of that it really wasn't very much um and if our guys did get a sack last year it seemed like it was a hustle play like you know it was a play where the quarterback is running out of the pocket doesn't really see where to go and somebody trips him up and it's like you know so uh, that's not a real – I don't want to say it's not a real sack, but that's not like dominant edge rushing or dominant pass rushing, period. Um, so if we can get those guys to – even if it's – you know, I understand maybe because uh, Russo and Basham are both like high motor guys. They aren't necessarily super dominant pass rushers that I'm talking about. But if you give them time to develop and to get to that point, I think that they both can be pretty scary because Basham is strong as hell and Boogie is, no, I'm sorry, Basham is strong as hell and uh, Rousseau is long. He's he's strong as well. You know, he, he's got all the, the, the skills, the tools to be a dominant defensive end. Uh, I would personally like to see Basham, you know, a defensive tackle a little bit, to be honest. I think that he's very solid. I think that he can, you know, uh, fill up those gaps and, uh, you know, help Milano and Edmonds and Oliver and, and Hughes and, and Russo and Epinesa make plays. Uh, so I think a best case scenario that if our defensive line is, uh, you know, sufficient or even above average, I see no reason why our secondary would decline because they haven't declined in like four or five years. And then our offense looks pretty good. So uh, if they can keep the ball going, uh, it's a championship or bust season to me. This damn Super Bowl, like that's that's what that's what we're looking at in that situation. And you were right; there were a lot of the a lot of the plays that happened last year. I mean, just look at the Seattle Seahawks game. I'm pretty sure AJ Klein sacked Russell yeah. Wilson what Russ twice made him fumble. in that game. Yeah. yeah. Like, but that was just, you know, not pure pass rushing from our front four. That's not what that was, you know? So the big thing coming into this year is we need somebody else to step up other than Jerry Hughes because Jerry Hughes, we've known, he can get back there and pressure the quarterback. But if there's nobody on the other end that's able to get around to keep that quarterback trapped and contain him, then – you know, he's just going to be rolling out that way. That's the big problem. We need somebody on the other side of the line to really be able to get those big, spectacular plays and get the crowd riled up in the stadium, which is what we need to talk about right now, Justice. The stadium has been the talk of the town right now, man. And, to, I mean, 
a lot of stuff has come out. I think we can blame probably the Buffalo News for saying things, but maybe they just got some bad intel for some things. But when you think about everything that's going on about the stadium, obviously you've been there. I'm going there for the first time in my life this year, hopefully, okay. if if these damn variants aren't running around and shit. Like what like when you hear that there's a new a new stadium being built and they want obviously we we don't need to talk about the tax side of it because i'm not i'm not privy to that honestly it doesn't affect me at all because i don't i don't live there but just just from what is it do the buffalo bills need a new stadium justice well just for your fans who don't know i don't you know i'm i have more of like a social media presence so maybe a lot of people may not know this, but I am 6'10", so I'm huge, right? Uh, and to your point, I, I went to the stadium last week, I think it was, and, like, I couldn't fit in the seats. Like, my knees were too long. Like, uh, I had to literally sit on the edge just so I could have, mm-hmm. like, my leg sticking out so that I could sit comfortably. And even then, I still cut my knee, like, the other knee. But uh, so it's it's not great. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. not great. Um the oh, the seats are old. Uh, it's, it's a little dirty, um, and I'm not one to to judge because I'm here to watch football. Really, don't mm. care about the most pleasant seating. Uh, you know, as long as the Bills are winning. Um, although better seating would probably be nice. <laughs> it would make it more enjoyable. Um, so, I I don't like what I was hearing from the Pagulas. Um, uh, my thing is Mm -hmm. I kind of fell in love with the Pagoulas only because I felt like they finally gave us a winning team Uh, we I'm 26 so I wasn't used to Mm -hmm. uh, obviously we missed the playoffs for the last two decades Um, we finally gave us a winning team um, and it was under their supervision basically Uh, so I was excited about them but hearing just stuff from Sabres fans and not only that, but actually thinking back on, like, you know, the situation that happened uh, since the Bagulas took over. Um, as far as, you know, I don't know, if maybe they just got lucky and, and, and got, you know, Sean McDermott, who changed the culture of the entire team and then brought in his, you know, tag team champion partner and Brandon Bean. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, was like uh, the most beautiful story written. Uh, I don't know if that was a coincidence. I don't know if that was their vision. Um, so I, I I don't really watch the Sabres because obviously they're not very good, and I'm not about to subject stink, myself to that. Dude. All right, awful. exactly. So when they become good, I'll watch. But uh, I can't really speak to their decision-making on, on that front. Uh, but I, I guess, man, that hearing that he wants, like, this tax player, taxpayers to pay for anywhere from 80 to like a hundred percent of the stadium is pretty messed up, especially when you consider none of us are billionaires like you. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, man. I I need more information. I need more information. Especially when it comes to that situation. I mean, that, that story broke by the Buffalo news. And of course, Bill's mafia went absolutely insane. We were like, wait a minute. They want us to pay for what at the point at that point they said 1.5 billion dollars that's with a B billion dollars and 1.1 of that was going to be for the stadium and I guess the other 0.4 was going to be for renovations to the Sabres arena but then that got mm-hmm. backtracked and they said no we only want money for the stadium but then they didn't say anything about the other thing that came out where they said that the Pagulas were strong arming the city by saying that they were going to move to Austin. Like there's other NFL, there's cities that would love an NFL team. And Austin, Texas was thrown around there. And I guess you can consider this a conspiracy theory, but I think that if that was actually used, which Poland cars has come out and said, I think that's how you say that, right? I, I don't know. Poland cars has come out and said, no, they didn't make any such threat to us, whatever, you know, Whatever the situation is there, like, you know, Jerry Jones owns the company that's helping them try to negotiate the deal with. I did hear that, the, yeah. Yeah. If Jerry, so Jerry Jones was probably like, 
uh, those guys down there in Austin probably would love an NFL team. And, you know, if, if that were to happen, if that was – but that was eventually walked back. But still, I have never been to the Bills, the Bills stadium. So I don't know – or Highmark Stadium as it is now. I don't know what it's like. I have heard bad things about it. From what it sounds like, you like I know the situations that I have on airplanes sitting in those damn seats. It's the exact same. It's the exact same. You gotta you gotta sit on the edge so you can have one leg out in the aisle. Like that's I'm I'm assuming for me, I'm like six four and a half. If you're six ten, like God damn, I can't even imagine that. But I've heard things about like the bathrooms too. Like I don't, I don't know. There's just things about the stadium that I've heard. And then for a guy like me, I've been to. I went to the Raiders' new stadium. They had just built it, and I went to Vegas with my mom. And right after that, I went in there to see what an NFL stadium can be. Now, I understand traditionally, like people love the Ralph or rich stadium, whatever you want to call it. But you just got to see for a team that's on the up and is just getting better and better. And will be able to be on national TV every single year. I can see why the NFL has been strong arming the bills management to get renovations done for the stadium. But I can see also why now that the Pagulas are like, Hey, we need to get this. And one thing that people don't understand about stadium negotiations is when you're negotiating for something, the first bid that you're going to put out there has to be outrageous. Like about like my older brother and my dad are both purchasing managers for counties in Florida. I understand when you got to get bids out and stuff like that. The first one you get is almost absolutely ridiculous. So after that, you get that and you work your way down. That part, I had no problem with when they were like, we want 100% of the taxpayer money. First of all, you're not going to get that. And they know they're not going to get that. But you got to put that out there so you can work down from 100. That's what happens until the county agrees to it. The people aren't going to get any say in it. But like from there, you work your way down. So I can see why, you know, a lot of people jumped the ship. We're like, hey, they want us to pay. Like that was going to be the final offer going in there. So I want people to understand that the NFL is evolving when it comes to stadiums. And unless you're in Lambeau or, I mean, hell, even the Bears are looking to get out of Soldier Field. So all these old stadiums, they're going, they're going out and, you know, from what I've heard about the stadium and the way that things are going, and we're going to have a team that's going to be in the national spotlight for a long time. It's about damn time that the bills got a new stadium. And I, I just need people to understand that they're not going to be paying a hundred percent of it. It will get worked down. And from what we've heard so far, the bills are not going to leave Buffalo. So a deal will get done. And I think that people are going to have a hard time wanting to let go of the old stadium, just like old War Memorial, the rock pile, from what I've heard. Uh, that was that was a big thing, leaving that and going to Rich Stadium. People are going to love this new stadium, and I think the Bagulas are going to make it great. And it's only just going to help the city even more. Yeah, um, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I do, you know, I understand how negotiating works. It's, it's just, that is a little discouraging because, of just the type of city Buffalo is. And uh, typically mm. we like to bring in people who are all about Buffalo, uh, i.e. a Josh Allen, even the, you know, Sean McDermott, that blue collar, mm. hardworking, no nonsense. Hey, let's just go out there and be great. You know, I don't got time for the arguing. I don't got time for the this and that back and forth. Like we're a team. We have one common goal. Let's go out there and get it done. It kind of mm. describes city of Buffalo to a T to me. Uh, and then even uh, Brandon Bean, you know, he took offense when people were saying, you know, negative things about Buffalo, which shows that he appreciates everything the city has to offer. Uh, so then when you hear, you know, the three top guys and Alan McDermott and Bean being all about Buffalo for the Pagulas to come in and kind of just, you know, even if it, if it's a negotiating tactic. It did feel like a slap in the face to a lot of us. Uh, and, and and I understand how negotiations work, but 
Uh, I feel like you got to be, and and of course, we don't know if any of it is true, but if it is true, you got to be more cognizant of who you're dealing with. Um, But we need a new stadium. Like, that's not even a debate. Uh, I Look, man, if you've been going to the games your entire life, look, man, you are blessed and privileged, okay? So kind of got to let it go. Like, <laughs> like, you know, just, you know, appreciate <laughs> the, the opportunities you've had to go. Uh, I've been to the stadium three times my entire life, including last weekend. So, it, you know, that. It's, it's uh, and not to mention in the playoffs, you know, where we want to be hosting playoff games, you got wins that are absolutely ridiculous in the stadium where, you know, there's like a pocket uh, where the wind swirls and it, it's mm. detrimental to kickers and quarterbacks and everybody else. And now that we have one of the best, if not the best quarterbacks in the league, and we're probably going to end up developing Tyler Bass into one of, if not the best kickers in the league, that's detrimental to us because we already mm-hmm. have the advantage going forward, having the more talented player. So now you're evening the playing field by not giving Josh the best possible opportunity to be able to sling the ball. You're evening the, 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 the playing field by not giving Tyler Bass the best opportunity to kick his 60 yard field goal, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I feel like a new opportunity needs to come soon because we're finally in a position where our team is a little more competitive, a lot more competitive, and we can actually win games just because we're the better team versus, you know, uh, having 45 mile per hour wins and some team comes in and we get lucky. You know what I mean? So Mm. I think it's it's, a foregone conclusion that we absolutely need a, a new place to play home games. Yeah, I'm, and just one last thing on the tactics of negotiating stuff. He's Terry Bagul is worth five point four billion dollars, right? Exactly. So, so my man, but my man didn't get five point four billion dollars by not knowing the the art of the deal. All right, he 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 knows he knows how to you know go into negotiations and things like that. Um, I think really the only thing that was super detrimental for is that the people of Buffalo heard the initial offer. I think that if that never gets leaked out, you know, it was, it's going to get worked down and then like maybe it would hit a little bit less than, you know, hearing, Oh, they want us to pay for a hundred percent. Well, of course that's going to be their initial offer, but yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Also thinking about the player advantage that we're going to have too, like you said, with you know having a new stadium and being able to well i was team dome first of all i guess that was something that we didn't talk about i wanted a dome so bad i understand that a lot of people say well that gets rid of our advantage i was like i would rather have josh allen in like a seven a 70 something degree controlled climate year round than have to be like oh josh allen in the beginning of the season is great but then when that snow and the weather starts picking up like I'd rather just have that Josh Allen all the time. I understand. I, I I can't think anybody actually enjoys going out there and freezing their fucking asses off. Like, I, I mean, maybe some people do. I mean, if you're drunk enough, you're probably enjoying that. But like, I, I've, like I've said, I've been to some stadiums. Like, hell, even going to Miami and being under the overhangs in the shade is better than just being out in the straight sun or in the snow to all the elements. So I, I think that just having the advantage of still, I think what they said is the stadium that they're thinking about is going to be kind of like a Miami style type stadium. That's going to have overhangs. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a little bit better, but I, I think a dome probably would have worked better. What do you think? Would you, would you be team dome or are you still like an open air guy? I'm a hundred percent team dome to your point. All Josh right. is the most talented quarterback in the league. Why we, there is no competitive advantage now for an open mm-hmm. stadium. Because before when we had J.P. Lossman and Trent Edwards and Kelly Holcomb, absolutely, like, sure, we got Willis McGahee to run the ball. We got Travis Henry to run the ball. We got Fred Jackson to run the ball. Mm -hmm. Yes, now it's a competitive advantage. You get a really good defense, you get a nice running game, and you can win games in Buffalo. We just still didn't win games, but, hey, that's the advantage we have. You know what I mean? So now that we actually have a talented roster, no, all that goes out the window. You don't Mm -hmm. put – you don't put Peyton Manning uh, in 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 an open field and say we have a competitive advantage. <laughs> like no, <laughs> uh, you know. In Tom Brady, it's a completely different story because Tom Brady has always been 
precision based. He's always been like, you mm. know, cut by, I'm sorry, death by a thousand cuts. So it, it was never really a big deal. He didn't throw a ton of deep balls in, unless he had like Randy Moss on his team, right? Or yeah. Bob Gronkowski. Um, mm. So it was never really a big deal for him out in, uh, in Foxborough. Uh, you know, that wasn't something he had to deal with. And even if he did have to deal with it, Bill Belichick knew the formula. It was defense and run game and then play mm-hmm. action. You know, Brady, you de- you you do your little thing here and there. Aaron Rodgers is really the only guy who I can think of where you got a guy who's a gunslinger out there throwing the ball in bad weather. Uh, but even Lambeau Field is pretty legendary. So, like, you can't mm-hmm. even get too upset with that. You know what I mean? But um, in any case, and, and not to mention, you want to talk about bringing business to Buffalo? We have a dome. The NFL, first of all, the NFL would be absolute idiots to to lose the the fan base that is Buffalo. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Even if we lost the Bills, you better bring another team to Buffalo and quick because we, we're the most passionate fan base in the league, right? Yeah. So if you put a dome in Buffalo, you could play a Super Bowl in Western New York. What, bro? Do you know what that would do for our economy? Like, do you know what that would do for the NFL? Like, that is a dream scenario for anybody you would think at least yeah. but maybe i could be wrong the the big problem with that is even if we had a dome they would never bring a damn super bowl to western new york just because so. yeah just because they love their big markets dude like they love mm-hmm. like if there's going to be a super bowl in buffalo new york what is there really to like if they bring it to vegas people can go and gamble and all that stuff they go to Western New York. I mean, I understand the things that you can do in Buffalo, but really I, the marketing of a of a Super Bowl in Buffalo, I don't think is just just not as big of a attraction That's as fair. we might I mean, as as we might think it is. Like obviously, and I, I don't know if a lot of people would actually in in because knowing the statistics of people in the poverty lines and stuff in Buffalo. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people could afford to go to the Super Bowl. Have you seen tickets like that? I mean, that's ridiculous. At that point, watching it on TV is is much better. But just just thinking about the, the stadium and, and what it could do, I mean, I think that having a dome in western New York just helps solidify that the Bills would have the advantage because you said – we had the advantage in snow games before because we had the defense and the run game. But you know what we don't have right now? I mean, we don't really have that super dominant line on defense. We also don't have much of a run game. So if we're going to have a quarterback who wants to be slinging it through the air all the damn time, then I think a dome and having a controlled environment all the time gives you the best competitive advantage. And some people would say at times throughout the history of the NFL, some teams have had a little bit more competitive advantages in big situations. And some of those people would also be considered conspiracy theorists. Now, when we first started talking about this, the uh, initial conception of this podcast was going to be, hey, let's, uh, let's talk about some conspiracy theories that we have or have found in the NFL that we think are kind of odd. And maybe there's a little bit more things behind them than maybe we think. And I brought my, my conspiracy theory for why one Tua Tungavailoa is the starter of the Miami Dolphins last off or last season at the weirdest time at one of the weirdest things that happened last season and justice, I mean, I already I already said it to you. And if people didn't listen to that podcast where we had that on, then you know, make sure to go check that out. But you're gonna hear it here too. So, Justice, when it comes to conspiracy theories, how many do you got? And what do you think is the biggest conspiracy theory that you think? Like, what is your one that you brought to the table today? Um my conspiracy theory that I have brought to the table today is <laughs> you sound I like you're about to <laughs> sound like you're about to uh, like the present presentation at school. Uh, what I learned in boating right. school is <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, oh man, it, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of controversial, right? 
All right, and, and I, I really don't feel like I, I don't want to attack this guy. Uh, he has a bad rep right now, but other than that, you know, he does. He has like a squeaky clean image, and I've been kind of going at him. I said he's not a winner. Uh, I've said, oh, that he can't oh, do okay, his own. here we go. But I don't know, man. I just feel like they're they're forcing Deshaun Watson on this, bro. Like, I just feel like he is. Listen, okay. The conspiracy theory I have, right, is we actually talked about it. Mm. You have the second half about to start, 2019 playoffs, right? Your kick returner does something absolutely stupid with the ball, and the Bills come and they scoop it up and they score, right? And to Jake's point, you you got people in all black running out the back of the stadium. The men in black. Yeah, like telling the refs, hey, you know, that's not a blah, 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 right? And it's like, that's weird, right? But then when you compound that with the Cody Ford block, it's a little strange, don't you think? It's kind of sus. It's a little, just a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. The fact that you needed all that help just so you could try to, I feel like is to try to push Deshaun Watson as like the guy or like Mm -hmm. maybe as a potential face of the league. And um, I don't have a problem with that. I just don't feel like he is becoming that organically. Let's say that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that this whole trial thing that he's going through isn't really going to help his case. Uh, But I I, I just, I don't like the way that game played out. Uh, And maybe I'm feeling a little haterish and I'm a homer, whatever, but you can't look at me. And in that touchdown, there was a no call. And then also the Cordy Ford block and say something's not a little bit fishy. I could 100% see where you're coming come with this because you got to think about that draft class, right? Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, Mitch Trubisky, the one that didn't pan out very much. But Deshaun Watson puts up numbers down in Houston. People like it. They go into that playoff game. They, I mean, what from what everybody said, like the Buffalo Bills had like no business really in that game offensively, like doing anything just because our offense that year was just not like our defense. Our defense carried us to that playoff game. So we get in there, and like I said, the damn men in black come out on this dumbass kickoff return where. The guy grabs the ball, and Bills Mafia is listening to this, so they can they can just think back to where they were when they were watching that. I was I was probably about like three tequila shots deep, and eating a bunch of uh, chocolate chip cookies on my brother's couch watching this game. And we see that we go crazy for this. We're like, okay, that's what we needed. You know, that's we need that momentum going into the second half as well. And what happens? The men in black come out from the back, and they say no. No, no, no. He was obviously, uh, you know, just give. What do they call that? Like giving, giving up, uh, possession, whatever. You know, just giving himself up on the kickoff return. Like, but as a kick returner, he should know that he needs to. You should you know, know the rules, and and yeah, the you should, you, should know the rules as well. Yeah, and that ref did know the rules. That that ref did know the rules. See, y'all can't Thank see you. right now, but yeah. Thank Ju- you. Justice, was, justice just went. Losing my yeah. mind over here. Like, how do you make that call? Like, you're a kick returner in the NFL playoffs. Like, you should mm-hmm. know not to just throw the ball when you have the ball and you haven't taken a knee. And then, yeah. like, referees come out. They call it correctly. It's a touchdown because yeah, by the letter of the game, it's a touchdown. If you want to talk about things that are obvious – I mean, we should have called a million catches, actual catches, if you mm-hmm. want to talk about. He was obviously giving himself up. Yeah. Well, he obviously caught the ball, but it was incomplete, right? So if you want yep. to talk about, you know, the letter of the law, we we should we should have won that game. It's not even clear. Yeah, we that, won that right was in regulation. That was the other big thing about it, right? Is that the people, the announcers even were saying, one of them was like, I don't know. And the other one was like, he was obviously giving himself up. Let common so sense glad. prevail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Shut let up. common sense prevail. Common sense says take the damn knee in the end zone when you get the – but, you know, whatever. That, that was a big thing. But then the men in black come out and they say, no, he was giving himself up. Whatever. 
that's against the Bills. What you're saying is that Deshaun Watson is being pushed as being a superstar of the league. And in that game, there's questionable calls. You know, obviously they probably want, I mean, you've got Houston versus Buffalo. I mean, if you're going to want a bigger, uh, what I would say, like a bigger market to win, especially with a guy like Deshaun Watson, who they probably do want to be successful in the league. Like I could see them pulling some, you know, bullshit to try to get this guy onto the next round. And I'm pretty sure didn't they go on to the next round and get absolutely hammered. So I got a question for you though. Mm -hmm. What is the Deshaun Watson game or play that made you go? He's the guy. You mean just like everything that he's done? One, one that you remember vividly where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, he just did that. Oh, he, okay, he's he's pretty amazing. Every every play that I could say has been something that he's been able to do with his legs. But when it comes to his arm, I would say there's been a couple of throws where you're like, all right, but he doesn't do it consistently enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, this guy is the guy. And I think that, you know, he's about to get uh, traded to Philly, apparently, by all all reports. I think that that train is just going to continue in Philadelphia, even though I think that experiment is not going to work out very well. But Justice, mine, and we've talked about this, is Tua Tonga Vailoa. My man, let's, let's, uh, let's take a trip in the old time machine and go back to this season where... Ryan Fitzpatrick is, you know, actually doing very well at the beginning of the season as a quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And they just drafted Tua Tungvaluwa in the draft before that year. People are like, all right, what's Brian Flores going to do with this guy, right? Uh, the thing is, we all know that Tua is eventually going to be put in the game no matter what. Maybe it's if the end of the year, if it's tragic, comes around or – you know, they wait the whole year and they do it the right route and put him in the next year after Fitz is gone. But what happens is during a game, I believe it was week five, maybe it was week f- after week five, they're blowing out. I believe it is the Bronco. No, not the Broncos. They're blowing out some team to the point to where it's absolutely ridiculous that Fitzpatrick's even still in the game. So they go, all right, let's throw the kid in. A lot of people, you know, saying Brian Flores is going to take it to next year, let the kids sit behind Fitz all year, whatever. So what happens is after this play, this play, Tua comes in and throws some little pass to Mike Kosecki, which goes like four yards, and he goes out of bounds, and that's pretty much the game, right? Tua, after the game, sits at midfield in Hard Rock Stadium, and it's just like soaking in. They've got this beautiful... Sports Illustrated, the like the sun is coming down on the pro, like the the next savior for the Miami Dolphins franchise. So this gets put out. It's on Sports Illustrated Pro Football Talk. They talk about a Good Morning Football. They talk about it. Everybody's saying, "Look at Tua, the kid got in." Well, then what happens after this gets put out and all this publicity gets put out there? I mean, for anybody who didn't see it, Justice just threw a thumbs down, but. Uh, I, I just said people who didn't see it. This is an audio podcast, bro. I'm so used to us like having like a video that's going to get yeah, thrown up on the right. YouTube channel. So uh, all this gets put out and all of a sudden there is a change, big change. They say Tua Tungvaluwa is our starter for the foreseeable future. I don't know what they saw. Uh, one pass to Mike Kosecki and they, they're falling in love with him. Everybody's wondering why would they do this to Fitz Fitzmagic? I'm pretty sure they had like a like a three and two record. They had a three and two record, and everybody was like, "Hey, you know, you guys are winning the last three games. You guys have won with Fitzpatrick. Why would you not ride the hot hand?" And a big thing with this is the locker room was having a problem with this too, and it almost seemed as if Brian Flores what kept like alluding that it was a management decision it was kind of like it was at that point to where it was like hey we think two is the guy but then throughout the season we see that Tua when he's struggling gets pulled out of the game for Ryan Fitzpatrick this is my conspiracy theory with this is that 
Tua Tungavailoa was never supposed to be the starter for the Miami Dolphins last season. Tua was not supposed to be the guy that was supposed to start. They were going to do the route where they let the kids sit behind the big Harvard brain all year, and then he would get the start next season. Or they would bring, you know, he would compete, you know, to unseat Fitzpatrick for whatever reason. What changed it is that Sports Illustrated photo, which then went to Good Morning Football, which then went to Pro Football Talk and everybody, all the good press that Tua got from one pass to Mike Kosecki and sitting at the field and having this beautiful photo, all the good press of saying the future is here for Miami got to the owners of the Miami Dolphins and the management saying, hey, we drafted this guy. We took the flyer on this guy. There's a guy over in L.A. that's already tearing it up that everybody's saying we should have got. So they're already saying, okay, well, this is our guy. So it doesn't matter how good Fitzpatrick's doing. We want Tua in there now. And I think that Tua Tungavailoa was not supposed to be in any of those games. It was the good publicity in Miami thinking that naming him the starter was going to get them so much good press and get the attention on them and just have them be able to make a ton of money from marketing with the Tua jerseys. I mean, Tua jerseys were already selling out, but when he gets named the starter, that's going to make you exponentially more money, and you could see the good press that was coming from it. Why would you not want that for a team that's been a dumpster fire for you know just about as long as we have with a few bright spots they've had that we haven't? But I think that Tua being pulled throughout the year for Ryan Fitzpatrick just showed that Brian Flores never had that confidence in him. It was a management decision to put him in and that throughout the year it showed that Tua was not the guy. Brian Flores did not think he was the guy, but management did. So he kept getting put in as the starter, even though he was getting pulled in more important games. Now, maybe there's a a difference in opinion here. Maybe that was just what Brian Flores was thinking about. What do you think about that, Justice? I I mean, honestly, I I am inclined to believe with you because – Brian Flores did not seem like he really cared for Tua. Not that he didn't care for him, but he didn't seem mm. like he cared to get him going anytime soon. Like he he wanted to win games like Brian Flores. And I, I pray that they continue to lose and Brian Flores leaves because I think mm. that if they actually let Brian Flores make decisions, Miami could be a force to reckon with. Uh, so I hope that they continue to veto him and not let him make any of his own decisions. Um because I, I think that he was probably someone that pounded the table for Jacoby Brissett um, because that's a good pickup. That's a great signing for the mm-hmm. Dolphins because he is a better quarterback than Tua. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I, so, like I said, I'm inclined to believe you. Believe you. Um, I think that they were probably going to end up maybe – what did we win 13 games? No, they wouldn't have challenged us for the title, but I do think mm. they could have probably won 11, maybe 12 games last year. If they just roll with Fitz the entire time. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see that being far-fetched at all. And that's crazy in itself to think of, right? That if they left Fitz in, they would have won 11 games, 12 games. Like very that's how good, that's how good, their defense and their special teams and Fitzpatrick was last season before he got pulled. And hell, I mean, if they don't throw Fitzpatrick in that Raiders game, I mean, he's, they don't win that at all with that hell of like just hail Mary at the end of the game. Like that's, there's so many things that happen. They would have started Fitz versus the Broncos. They easily win that game. Yeah. So there's, there's a bunch of things to point to. What Brian Flores's mental seemed to be he wanted to win. So why would you make a decision like that? Which is obviously Tua wasn't lighting it up in practice, everything that we've heard that was throughout the throughout the season. So why was that decision made immediately right then and there, right after that sports illustrated picture came out? I don't know. I feel like that had to have something to do with it. And, you know, one of the things that you were talking about there is that we hope that Brian Floor, do you, how, what is your floor, do you think, because you said that Jacoby Brissett is a big pickup for them. 
how long do you give to do you think that this year Tua just gets pulled as the starter completely or do you think they pulled the same bullshit they do last year no you can't pull the same bs you did last year because last year was a situation where ryan fitzpatrick put you in a position where you you thought that you could put your quarterback in and still kind of cruise uh you know to, to wins and whatnot uh this year you're going to have Tua from the jump. So Tua's going to have to perform from the jump. There is no breaking him in. There is no see what he can do. There's none of that. Like if from week one to go, it's you and and we're seeing what you can do. And uh, here's the reason I, I don't believe in Tua, because here's the first five games. The Patriots, the Bills, the Raiders, the Colts, and the Bucks. they could easily be 0-5. I think more realistically, they could be like two and three. And if they are two and three, I do not see Brian Flores sticking with Tua, especially if he's the reason they're two and three or worse. I don't see them being anything better than three and two with that five game stretch. Hmm. Okay, so let's say hypothetically they're they're zero and two, and then they go zero and three. And then oh and four. You're saying do you think Tua gets oh, pulled gone. after four no. games? Yeah, he's gone. He, he's gone. I think and he, then he's they, not if returning. They, if they go oh four, I, I could see Tua being gone after three. Mm. Okay. And then you gotta think after that too. That draft the the trade value for Tua after that probably is like absolutely Wonders. out the window too. Just so I that's why I thought that maybe even though you know we don't have the fondest opinion of Deshaun Watson, the trade if they really were going to want to get Deshaun Watson, they would want to trade him, trade Tua for him and whatever player they threw in there with that to the Texans before the start yeah. of the season. Because if that does happen with Tua, you're not gonna get anything for Tua Tungavailoa. So I I hundred percent man, I Again, I don't root for anybody to fail in the NFL. Of course, I don't want the Dolphins to be good, but I don't want like I would rather that not be just because of Tua. Even though we know that Tua, at least what we think, I mean, Dolphins fans still thinking, and maybe he has a jump this year. I mean, just look at what our quarterback did. You know, if our if our quarterback can do it, you know, maybe it is possible. Who knows? But I. I don't see it, but if he is to get better, then I, I want the dude to have success, but because he's a division rival, I don't want it to be at the uh at the chagrin of us having success. So the those were I don't the, believe ahead. in real quick. The reason I don't believe in Tua is because Tua had a Patrick Mahomes-ish situation. He didn't have a Josh Allen situation, right? He didn't come in with a trash yeah. team with no help or anything like that. He came in with a pretty damn good offense or really damn good defense really damn good coaching staff and he underperformed so uh that that's why i don't believe in tua i maybe he can improve i guess we'll see uh i just don't believe in him are we doing another conspiracy theory do you have another one i do have one more throw it at me kane the conqueror is a descendant of tony stark all right no i'm just playing I do believe Bro, that, uh, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go. Wait, uh, what, what, what? Nathaniel Kang Richard, a, he, he's a he's bro. a descendant of Tony Stark. Watch what I tell you in the MCU. Watch what I tell you. But um, Okay, all right. I, I'm going to go with Taysom Hill has proof that Sean Payton is having an affair on his wife. Or proof that he did something illegal. Or something, I don't know. He's proof, he's like... <laughs> Some type of little manila envelope folder of some incriminating information on Sean Payton, and that's the only reason he continues to get out. He's, I'm, I'm just imagining every single time he's making like the depth chart <laughs> right. this season, like for the game. He's he's making the game depth chart, and he looks over and Taysom Hill's got like a little envelope, and he pulls out some sort of photo, just like, exactly. hey, remember? And then it's like QB one is Taysom Hill. Oh exactly. my god, bro. That's fucking that hilarious, to dude. Has to be, dude. <laughs> Justice, this has been awesome having you on, dude. I mean, uh, obviously, we're going to be doing more things in the future. Some things that haven't been announced. Something that I even just brought up 
in the beginning of this uh, show today, the Maximum Marvel podcast. Now that I'm finally back in my cave and my space, we can we can start talking about all the nerdy things that are happening. And if anybody who's listening, yeah, exactly. That starts uh, next next week. week? Next week. So we're going to be going hard with that podcast and then we're going to be doing a secret project that we haven't announced yet but definitely something that is going to be awesome i want to thank you for coming on again everybody you have been listening to the coolest show in bill's mafia outside of western new york it has been jake it has been justice this has been the lowdown and we i not maybe justice i don't know we'll see you next week 